Book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10, reads as follows. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And to come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Say unto your brethren, Am I? And say to your sisters, Ruhama. All right, let's pray before we get into this. All right, dear God, thank you for giving us time here to study your word, the Bible, to learn about your word, the Bible, to make it part of our lives. Please be with us as we try to learn about this book here, Hosea, and uh, help us in the study. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time, if you remember, we studied chapter 1 of the book of Hosea, which started off talking about his family. And it started with the weirdest thing of all, right, which is his wife. God instructed Hosea to marry a harlot, basically, right? A woman of whoredoms, right? A woman of whoredoms. And, and, uh, and after that, after he, he followed that instruction and married the woman of whoredoms, right? He had three kids, right? And we talked in depth about how the names of the three kids are very symbolic of the story of the book of Hosea. The story of the prophecy of Hosea and the story of subsequent chapters, which we'll see coming up, right? So I asked you to sort of try to remember these because of that significance. I said, well, let's see if you guys can remember these names, right? So you guys talked amongst each other. Hopefully you guys can remember. But, you know, rather than uh, put people on the spot and make people answer, we'll just put the answers up on the board this time, right? We won't put people on the spot today. But... Well, you remember Jezreel, Jezreel, the first kid. Jezreel, the name means scattered, scattered. And we talked about how that was just like what happened to Israel, right? Israel wound up being scattered, right? They were one country, one kingdom. Then they were broken apart, scattered. People sent everywhere into different countries and everything because they got conquered. And we, <coughs> and, and we know that's what happened to them historically, right? They were scattered. Next name we talked about was Lo Ruhama. Lo Ruhama. Right? That means no mercy. No mercy. Right? We know that God showed no mercy to Israel. You guys got conquered? Too bad. Right? You guys suffered for the sins you guys did. Right? For all their spiritual harlotry, God showed the children of Israel no mercy. You guys got conquered. You guys got scattered. There's no mercy for you guys. And finally, we talked about the name Lo Am I, not my people, right? The children of Israel were supposed to be God's chosen people. And he treated them as if he didn't even know them, right? He treated them like, you are not mine. I don't want you. I don't know you. That's why I let all these horrible things happen to you, right? Getting captured and put into slavery, sent to different countries to work for different rulers. All those kind of things happened to the Israelites, right? They were a conquered people, a conquered people, well, basically until the 20th century, right? There was no independent country of Israel for thousands of years after this happened. So it's a significant, significant thing that we know historically is true, remember, all these prophecies, all these things in the Bible, they are all true things. They all happen. And that's why we study them. We wouldn't study them if it were just some you know, fairy tale, imagination, or whatever. 
We talked last time in our study of Hosea, Hosea the person, the significance of this, right? That he would A, get married to someone didn't like, or maybe he liked, but whatever, but was, he knew was going to be uh, a cheater, going to be a whore. And name his kids something that's not a very popular name, right? No, I don't know if you want to name your kids. No mercy or not my people. Not very good name for kids. And I put up this thing briefly last time, this joke, right, from this cartoon, right? But you can see the, the, the point, right, that God had, right, that he married, of why Hosea had to marry this lying, cheating whore, right? Well, because it makes a good metaphor for what he is trying to tell the children of Israel, that Hosea had to live firsthand what God felt. He's able to speak on behalf of God because he feels that same kind of emotion. God felt this type of betrayal, right? And Hosea felt this type of betrayal. And Hosea did this willingly because he was obedient. And last time we talked about how, you know, how strong of his obedience was to do stuff against his self-interest. And how hard is it for us to do stuff against our self-interest, you know, when it comes to following God? We always want to pick the thing that makes us feel better, more comfortable, happier. Well, guess what? Sometimes following God means doing something that makes us feel uncomfortable, unhappier. Right? That stresses us out more. That makes life not as fun. Well, guess what? God expects us to obey no matter what. And that's kind of the example that Hosea set forth for us. Okay. All that said, let's take a look into chapter number one. The end now. The end now. The end now gives us something different though. So we've had the first chapter setting up all the names, all the bad stuff, right? The bad stuff of Hosea's family and by implication, the bad stuff of Israel. Now, <coughs> in verses 10, 11, and the first verse of chapter 2, we see some hope, some hope for redemption. Some hope for a restoration. It says what in verse 10? So all this bad stuff, you're not my people, no mercy, blah, blah, blah. Yet, Still, what? That the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. It says that, yeah, I'm not going to treat you that well, but you're not going to die out. You're not going to be extinct. You'll still exist. And guess what? There'll be a lot of you, right? Numbered the sands of the sea. As we know, there's a lot of sand in the sea. He is promising these people that, oh, I might turn my back on you now, but you will still be around. You will still exist, right? And what happens? In verse 11, and there will come a time where what? Where the children of Judah and Israel, they're gathered together and they point themselves one head, right? They come out of the land together. And this is going to be a great day. Great day when they can follow one great leader together. Now, who's the one great leader that these guys will come and follow? That all these lost children of Israel... For years and years, has suffered no mercy, being not my people, scattered. Who is the great unifier that's going to do this, that's going to bring them all together? Well, the answer, I think we all know, or we can guess, right? The answer to many questions in the Bible. The answer, of course, is Jesus. Jesus Christ is going to be the king, the king of kings, the king to unite all Israel, right? They would be all scattered, but they will be reunited in the church age, Right? When Jesus comes, that's when 
everything we put back right, right? That's when everyone can once again come together and be God's child again, right? We can all be restored into, into the greatness of God. In fact, it's, uh, we'll see what it says in verse number two in a second, but in, we're going to turn, when Jesus is coming, is going to turn these names on their head, right? So we said again, Jezreel, Lo Amai, Lo Ruhamah, right? We talked about these names a lot of times, even today, right? Jezreel means scatter, scatter, right? But what does it say in verse number 11? It says, Jezreel, great shall be the day. Great shall be the day. What ha- what ha- what's going to happen when Jesus comes? When Jesus comes, it's going to be a great day. Jezreel will no longer be a negative thing. Before, being scattered was bad, right? Oh, you guys were in one country. Now you're scattered. Bad thing. Now Jesus comes. What's the difference? Now why the scattered take on a different connotation? Why is scattered now becoming a great thing? Why? Because the message of Jesus Christ gets spread, right? We know from history, we studied the book of Acts for, year, for years, right? That there were Jews all over the place, right? All over the Middle East, in Europe, right? In Asia. And these Jews that were scattered they're able to be the first to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. When Paul went there, when other missionaries went there, like Peter and everyone else, they spread the gospel. Scattered all of a sudden became a great joy to these people because they're able to spread the gospel onto all different areas. It's a change now because of Jesus, because of this one great leader to come that will unite all of Israel and Judah, right? Scatter goes from bad to good. We went from the word, lo am I, you look at first chapter 2, verse 1, say to your brethren what? It says, am I? Am I means my people. So you can kind of figure out your, uh, your old Hebrew names, right? The lo in front of the name means like not, right? Just like how we have like prefixes on our words, right? So the prefix lo means not. Well, we take that away. God says, now we're going to call these people am I. means what? It means my people. When Jesus comes, everyone's going to be my people now, right? Before you guys were falling into sin, not my people. Jesus comes to redeem us, my people. And the last one, I think you can already figure out and predict based on the pattern of what we've been talking about. Ruhama, right? No more low Ruhama, just Ruhama. Means what? Means mercy is given. So before it meant no mercy, when we put the prefix in front of it. Now it means mercy. When Jesus comes, will there not be mercy? There is. We know it. Jesus means forgiveness of sins, right? He forgave us all our sins. And that's what he's all about, right? So this is a hopeful picture painted from these same three names, right? So now we've seen the whole story, right? This is the whole story of the book of Hosea, the whole story of his prophecy. We started with the three names of what of what they were doing wrong and what the punishment was. They were scattered. They were not my people. They had no mercy. But the future is in Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, people don't study these minor prophets. They don't say anything relevant. It's relevant to us, right? It talks about Jesus. Jesus is always relevant. Jesus is the theme throughout all the Bible, right? Because Jesus is the one that's going to make scattered be a great thing. He's the one that's going to make the children of Israel again my people. 
he's going to be the one that makes it so mercy is given from God. I think what it shows us is the great forgiveness that God has, the great capability of forgiveness, right? That he could take these people who had sinned so wrongly and forgive and say, you know what? Guess what? You're my people again. You have mercy again. I send my own son to ensure that happens. A lot of times, you know, we are as forgiving as God would be. Remember, they did acts of spiritual whoredoms against God, right? That's a big thing. That's a big thing. We think about today, the, about the literal whoredoms that happen sometimes, right? And how people react to that. They have a strong reaction, not quick to forgive. You know, there's this one guy I knew you know, back in law school. He's one of the first guys I met, one of the first guys I met in the first days of classes. And, you know, we started being friends, right? And he was this guy who was a former Air Force pilot. So he had traveled all around the world, and he had finally decided to settle down and, you know, go to law school, become a lawyer, that kind of stuff. Start his uh, civilian career. And, his, and he came from a Missouri, Missouri, small town in Missouri, with his wife. And his wife was, you know, the cutest little girl, and she had followed him around everywhere, right? Because in the Air Force, he had traveled to, like, Tokyo and, you know, somewhere in the Pacific Islands. And they had lived everywhere and done everything together. And it was, you know, it was kind of fun in the beginning because she had, she had moved out to San Francisco with the husband because he was starting school, quit her job as a teacher back in Missouri, and said, you know, I don't know, I'll figure it out. But he wants to do this, so, you know, I'm going to come here, support him, try to get a job as, like, a substitute teacher or something like that. And, you know, I'll support him, right? So, you know, they were, like, you know, the cute couple that everybody knew, right? And, you know, she would show up on campus sometimes and we would hang out and all that kind of stuff. But then... As the semester progressed, something weird happened with this guy, right? After classes, this guy, many times, what he would like to do is just do like random stuff like, oh, I hang out in front of the school and just talk to people and don't go home. Don't go find my wife. I'm sitting at home, right? Or after school, he'll go out drinking with all his buddies, right? Drinking with all his buddies. And uh, one of the people that would always go drinking with them and hang out in front of the school was this really tall girl, this really tall girl. They hang out all the time, right? So I don't know all the details because I never hung out after school. After school, I go home. I'm like, you're a normal person. Right? I go home right away and do other stuff, right? But I didn't know the full story until one day on campus, this happened, right? One day, same thing, after school, he's hanging out in front of the school on a little patio, right? Talking with that other girl, hanging out with his buddies, talking about where they're going to go drinking this week or whatever. And then his wife comes up. To, to, the, to the patio in front of the whole school. And she's like really angry. And in front of everybody, right? In front of everybody. She starts like yelling at him. And you know, basically accuses him of cheating on him, right? She says, he calls him like a cheater. And she takes off her wedding ring and throws it at him right in front of everybody. It was kind of shocking, right? To see this, Because right? I didn't know. I didn't know all this stuff was happening. I just kind of thought it was weird that, oh, he always hangs out and goes to drinking every day after, after school or whatever, right? But, uh, she did that in front of everyone, and that was it. It was done. And, you know, the obvious, what I learned later when I finally asked, like, well, what caused all this and everything like that is that the guy was cheating on her with the other taller girl, right? And I was like, oh, that's so sad, right? And her, she took the attitude of, that's it. If you do that, we're done. And she moved back. She moved out of the apartment with him, 
who stayed with one of my other friends in law school, and then she moved back to Missouri as soon as possible to get out and get away. There's no forgiveness for this, basically. That was her attitude. You got, you've committed a whoredom, right? Harlotry, right? Elaine and I joke about this sometimes, right? She says like, oh, if you ever do that, Norman, I'll never take you back ever, right? This is my warning to you, all right? Yeah, that's what people would say, right? Imagine that kind of betrayal, that kind of level of uh, unhappiness that you'd cause. That's what God felt, isn't it? When Israel started saying, let me go worship some of these other gods. Let me turn my back on worshiping you, God. Let me go fall into sin and disobey everything you'd ever say. Boy, they did that. And God still forgave them in the end, didn't he? He forgives us in the end, too, for all the things that we do. How great is that forgiveness of God? We can list, and you know in your own heart, all the things that you've done wrong, right? How objectively speaking, God should be the one that's throwing us out, right? Kicking us out, saying, don't come back. You guys are dirty, rotten, lousy sinners. But God's story is a story of redemption, right? It's a story of restoration, that we have this one great leader that did come, Jesus Christ, that allowed us to get out of this bad situation, right? That's the power of his forgiveness. So I think that's a very important thing we learned from the story here and about this. I mean, just think about it in our own lives. Do we have that same kind of forgiving attitude that God has? So, you know, it's not easy. You know, like I told you in that story, I don't know if anyone could forgive that guy for, you know, cheating on his wife or whatever, right? But a lot of times we have in our hearts too many grudges, right? Too many bad feelings that kind of constrict the way we live our lives. And God doesn't want us to have that, right? A lot of times, you know, stuff will happen that will make us unhappy, unhappy. Do we let that unhappiness fester in us? We let that unhappiness prevent us from continuing with the great work of what God has for us. Remember, it's supposed to be a happy era we live in, where we can be scattered and spread the gospel of this joy of this God who's showing us mercy, this God that's ensuring us that we are his people, that we have a home for us in heaven. Do we get bogged down in stuff like, oh, all the things that, you know, beat us down, that make us grumble, that make us unhappy? You know, it's about bound to happen. You know, Elaine and I, we fight all the time, right? Sometimes we get really unhappy, right? It's like we could have an argument about something really stupid, right? We argue and fight about it and maybe for like half an hour. And in the end, it's one of those, you know, impasses, right? You think this, I think this, I think you're stupid, you think I'm stupid, right? And in the end, no one says anything to anyone, right? One of those type of things. I'm sure those guys in relationships, maybe you guys experienced this before at some point in your life, right? But sometimes after all that, right, you know, we have this big thing, this big falling out. Normally you would say, oh, you could be very unhappy and angry at each other and all this kind of stuff, right? Sometimes Elaine will say something like this. He says, I'm hungry now. Go make me an egg, right? And so what do I do? So I'll go make her an egg, right? And I make it for her. Now, you would say, that doesn't make sense. You guys are angry. What you should do is say, no, you just fought with me for half an hour. Go make your own egg, right? Isn't that justified? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be when you're angry and unhappy, right? 
But no, I say, you know what? More important than whatever dumb argument we're having over whatever it is, right? Is that, oh, we have this love toward each other, right? That we forgive and we move on so that life can go on, right? God forgave us after all for far worse than anything that we ever did to each other, right? If God can forgive us, right? So can we forgive our other? In fact, in fact, it's even in the Lord's Prayer, is it not? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So God wants us to have this attitude of forgiveness, the same one that he has on us. So I think we see a lot here from these just three names. Three names tell a lot of story, right? Again, three names. Jezreel, Lo Ami, Lo Ruhama. The three names we studied in detail. So next time, and we run out of time this time, here's what I want you to do. We're not going to get rid of these names yet, because guess what? In chapter 2, read chapter 2, and you'll see how this story is played out in Hosea's life. Okay? We're going to see how this is played out in his life. So read chapter 2 and see if it's true that something gets scattered, that something becomes not my people, that something is shown no mercy. But we'll have to do it next time because we're out of time right now. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us the story of Hosea that really has a really hopeful ending to chapter 1. The hopeful ending is that Jesus is on his way. Forgiveness is out there. Lord, we're really thankful for that. We're all beneficiaries of that. Today, that Jesus did come and that we could be called your people. And that you showed us so much mercy that all the horrible sins that we've done in our lives are wiped away, gone, clean. Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful that we have an everlasting future together with you in glory. Lord, just be with us the rest of this day as we continue to worship you and honor you and glorify you for all that you've done. And for all these things in Jesus' name, amen.